Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. I'm telling you, a little limoncello, and you can <laughs> conquer the world. Mesdames et messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Hello, Allison. How are you today? Buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> I wanted to say that, but I was just like... <laughs> now we've gotten into languages that I can at least pretend I know. <laughs> Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Well, we are talking in Italian today because I happened to be in Rome over the weekend and did a little Olympic tourism. So that is what we're going to talk about on the show today. Allison is going to interview me. I'm scared. <laughs> she has questions. And I don't know if I have the answers. But No, I, I don't have too many questions. Okay. I just... Well, let's let's do a little intro about Rome, just to let the yes. viewers know. Um, Rome uh, hosted the Olympics in 1960. And... This was kind of what one of the, the innovations they had was it was the first Olympics to be broadcast on television. So in Europe, they showed it live, but then every day they sent footage by plane over to New York City so that CBS could broadcast it on television. So that was like a big, huge deal. It was really kind of cool. Some of the big stars out of this Olympics were Rafer Johnson, who won the decathlon for the United States. And why this always stands out to me is because he lit the cauldron in Los Angeles when Los Angeles hosted the 1984 games. Do you remember this? Because it was kind of like, do. who is this guy? And it meant nothing to a little girl like me, but it was a huge deal for him because winning the decathlon is like one of the top prizes in the Olympic games. Right. Especially in the 60s and the 70s. Right. The decathlon was, was the star of the summer games. Exactly. Exactly. And... Uh, Rafer Johnson being African-American also was kind of a really big deal as well. So it was it was really a, a big honor for him to to light the cauldron. And so that was it was really cool when I could make that connection 
in my mind mm-hmm. to go, oh, it really, this is why it's such a big deal to have him light the cauldron. Abebe Bikila from Ethiopia won the marathon, and he was the first black African to do so. So that was another big thing. And what, and what was so cool about him? Oh, he ran barefoot. He ran barefoot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. And the marathon was really neat because it was the first one that they ran at night. And they ran it along the Appian Way. And so it started and ended outside the stadium. So the end was at the Arch of Constantine, which is near the Colosseum. And that is nowhere near where the Olympic Stadium is. So it was a very different marathon experience, but also like a really cool historical one as well. Well, you know, when you were in Rome and I was sitting at home, sadly, pining for (laughs) and jealous, um, I was looking a lot of the old footage, and mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting that they they did a lot of callbacks to ancient Rome, the way the medals looked, the way the posters looked, right. the way the, the Olympic Stadium was constructed. They really were trying to evoke the, that imagery, right. which I thought was right. great. It didn't feel 1960s Italy like I would have expected it to be. It felt a lot of like, oh, we're calling back to this ancient tradition. Yeah, which was which was pretty yeah, it cool. was really it was really cool how they used the ruins to their advantage and made it a really unique kind of games. Wilma Rudolph was one of the female track stars, and she won three gold medals while she was there. And then it was also when Cassius Clay, later known as Muhammad Ali, yes. fought and won. So, but the interesting thing about his win was that in order to make the u.s tv audience happy they didn't give him the medals at the venue they didn't have the medal ceremony right then they made it happen at the basketball venue and did it at halftime of the basketball uh the men's basketball well just the basketball final because it wasn't women's basketball who are we kidding right so it's interesting that even back then for you know the first televised games they have to worry about the u.s market yeah, they were that. they were moving things around. And I was watching some of the footage of Wilma Rudolph mm-hmm. and I loved what they said. So apparently the European press dubbed her the Black Gazelle. Oh wow. Which I thought was <laughs> on the one hand it's kind of a beautiful image, on the mm-hmm. other hand you're like, "Oh, that's yeah. a little ouch." But watching her run, I felt like she could run now with the way she looked as an athlete and mm-hmm. her technique. And she would have blown them off the track now. She was a gorgeous runner. Really, really gorgeous. Wow. And I could see why they called her a gazelle. The black gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah. But yeah, man, was she gorgeous. And for me, the fun one was uh, Larissa Latina. Oh, in gymnastics? Who- in gymnastics, okay. this was the middle of her her golden reign. Okay. Um, she went 56, 60, 64, and she had the most medals prior to Michael Phelps. She wow. had 18. So at Rome, she won six of her 18. I know. It's just Can amazing. you believe that? Can I, so, I, can't yeah, imagine I, her, actually... I can't imagine her being able to last for three Olympics. Well, gymnastics wasn't what no, it is now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's still I, no taking away, but the the beating that their bodies were taking and the women started older. You didn't see 
16 year olds and down. I mean, Nadia Comaneci in 76 really changed that. Mm -hmm. It was 20, 22, 23 year old women. Ah. Uh, so bars with beehives. I'm like, that's got to throw off your weight. <laughs> no, it's like, just light. It's all teased. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's got to throw off the weight. But I was surprised at how modern the 60 Olympics looked. I was expecting really? it to feel very old. And so I'm curious to know if what still survives, mm -hmm. how that has held up. And, and how it would compare to things you would see built now. Well, it's interesting because the stadium area is actually repurposed from the Olympics. So it, the stadium was built for Mussolini. It's like a match. Yeah, right? So you get there and um, the stadium was actually, I think, built for soccer. And like the first match was in maybe 1953. So they repurposed the stadium. But the whole area around it so you have the stadio olimpico and it's by the foro italiano which is a bunch of office buildings and the pool and more complex stuff so you pull up we had to take a taxi out there because it's, it's it was kind of a hike from where we were staying and we were over near the coliseum so we take a taxi up there and there of course is no parking and the little parking they have is jam-packed and there's like railings and traffic guides trying to get you in and out and the cab driver drops us off and drive drops us off by the swimming pool but it's right next to the entrance to the stadium which in front of it is this massive like obelisk t tower type thing to mussolini and the whole still yes they never took it down oh jeez. <laughs> yeah and then the whole walkway towards the stadium, because the stadium's kind of set back off of, in, it's in within this park, so it's set back off maybe, I don't know, between two and four hundred meters off from the from the road, and it's it's got like um, a marble, and it's all marble too. While you're walking on this big marble walkway, so the the center it's divided into different sections. So the center is marble and it's raised up a couple of steps. So you then would walk down a couple steps to the on either side of it were rows of mosaics, and then on either side of that was another step up to another walkway, and there were rows of these rectangular marble things with what Mussolini has done. So it was just like moments in, in history, like, oh, this happened here and this happened there. And you look down and like, oh, Mussolini did this. And I can't read the rest of it, but like, oh, interesting. And wow. one of the bits in the mosaics was this huge, all the way down from the from the beginning to the end, just duce, 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 all, <sighs> all, just row after row after row of this duce 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 and i'll put i'll put some pictures up in the in the show page yeah it was just like oh okay um all right and i thought that it had been wow built, you know while i was there i thought this had the, all these mosaics had been built for the games because they were incredibly ornate and they were a mixture of athletes and then a mixture of like man is powerful or like scenes of man and one of them one of the ones near the end of like it was, looked like it might be throughout time but one of them was obviously world war ii because they had like a jeep and mussolini in it and you know extorting power <laughs> yes wow i'm just so surprised that they that that has never been altered in all this yes. time i think 
one can say they might have wanted to save it for posterity. One can also say, eh, don't really feel the need to. But it's the, it's still, yes, it's very much a, oh, this is all for Mussolini. And it was built for him, not necessarily wow. for the Olympics. So it's kind of interesting because one of the mosaic things was winter sports. So there was hockey and skiing and we were like huh what does this have to do with anything and then later we found out that it had really all been built beforehand so they used a pre-existing yes they used actually yes and the stadium now has obviously been refurbished and it has a roof over it and kind of a glass shell kind of thing on the outside so you can barely see what's going on there and Mm-hmm. We didn't really try to go up to the stadium too much or try to get in. Um, they actually still use it when we had to go twice to the Olympic Park because and we had looked like we went on us on Saturday and we had looked to see, is there anything going on at the stadium? No, there's nothing going on at the stadium. You know what? There was a soccer game that night. So you should get you into should the have known area. the schedule is is <laughs> subject to change. Yeah, right. Let's so that way. So. We did spend, uh, we couldn't get into the stadium area and we couldn't see all these mosaics and we couldn't get over to, there's another stadium next to it, a a small athletics stadium that is called the uh, Stadio del Marmi. And that had some, some of the field hockey stuff was in there and Mm -hmm. it was like a warm up track and there's supposedly a tunnel that goes from it to the stadium so that you could, so they could warm up and then go underneath and, and do that. Um, now, how far was the Olympic Stadium from what would be, I don't know, I don't know what's downtown or what's um, the center of Rome? Like, could you were saying it was far from the Colosseum. Yeah, it was, it was like, that... a, it was probably a good 10, 15 minute cab ride from the Colosseum. Oh, yeah. But it is on the other side of the Tiber River. Mm-hmm. So if you're in directions, we'll just. Google Maps this. 21 minutes, 8.9 kilometers by car from the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. So that's so, that's significant. Yeah. It, it was pretty far out there um, compared to what was downtown. Now, you were there in April. Yes. The Olympics took place August into September. It was yes. August 25th to September 11th. Yes. I'm thinking that would have been pretty oppressive. Yes, it would have been. And I was reading some stuff today about some of the different events. And I don't have this one written down, but it stuck in my head. I think it was a race walker. I'm pretty sure it's a race walker. And I'm pretty sure he was from Great Britain who had been at 56 and just crashed out before the end. And he was not happy with his performance and decided that he was really going to train up for Rome and knew it was going to be hot and he didn't have the same kind of heat and humidity conditions so he would lock himself in his bathroom with like steam and a heater and all this stuff so he almost gave himself carbon monoxide poisoning (laughs) trying to train for Roman summer trying to train for the Roman (laughs) summer and he'd do his exercises for like a half an hour and that conditioned him up wow yeah so yeah Yeah, it did sound really it's gotta be yeah heat and humidity and you know yeah, all the vespa flow. gas oh yeah so the first day we saw the swimming pool 
which, which did, did you swim in the swimming pool? No, I wanted to, but it's oh. from yeah, what I understand, talk, yeah. it's what we saw was the practice pool, and I put some pictures up on the Facebook page, and I think I put one on Twitter too. And it was beautiful. It, oh my gosh, it looked it like a beautiful gorgeous. site. Gorgeous, it was so and, uh... gorgeous. And while we were there on Saturday, it was just jam-packed because you had a few lanes that were open to lap swimming then you had like maybe 15 little kids learning how to dive like real sport diving and then in the center of the open section there were a a group of girls practicing synchronized swimming and then beyond that there were a a group of boys doing water polo practice so this was just jam-packed there's parents all over the place and (laughs) Then the next day when we were back and had to go in again, uh, there was a swim meet going on. Oh, wow. So, so this, this facility is, ju- is yes, clearly, clearly really used. well used, yes. which um, is nice. Yeah. And the mosaics in it are beautiful. And of course, there's marble freaking everywhere. And <laughs> the, the one thing you can tell is that the platforms on the platform diving are wearing away. So they look like they're rusting out a little bit. But okay, so those aren't really used. I doubt they'd be used. I mean, they're not. It's not falling apart, but it does look. You know, it looks like a bridge that's got a few things exposed. <laughs> but from what I understand from doing other research, there that's the warm up pool, and the the real competition pool is right outside. So it was an outdoor pool for competition. Mm-hmm. We did not see that, but we saw some glimpses of it through bushes. So, but that sounds like it's still used as well. Yeah, yeah, and people were using that too. Wow, because we were nice. like, oh, there's another pool out there. What can you see? And you know, because <laughs> at this point, too lazy, and we walked a lot, so we were like, not. So you were creepy people her. looking through the bushes we into a creepy. pool. <laughs> no, we weren't. <laughs> no, we weren't. But then, okay, so okay. you saw the stadium. You saw the pool, right? And so the 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 little track stadium next to. The, the big stadium where they had some field hockey, they have these massive statues. And there's a statue from every province, and they all are depicting different sports. They were really cool. They were enormous. And you, you could tell they were all different. Sometimes they were labeled with the province that they were from. And they were, yeah, just massive to walk around. And you just, you get kind of overwhelmed with the number of statues and the the just the amount of mosaic pieces everywhere and you know the sad thing let's go back to this because i can't talk about these mosaics enough the amazing thing is that you can go into a church in rome and you can see a mosaic that's probably two thousand years old that's been lifted from somewhere but it's in the floor and it looks perfectly fine and then you go to the stadio olimpico and you're walking around all these mosaics and there are chunks of them that are missing huh flat out just like falling apart is it falling apart or is it scavenged? No, it's like it's been scuffed up enough so pieces have broken off. Huh. But no, I don't think it was scavenged at all. Because okay. there would have been so more scavenging. Because if... yeah. you would think that if someone was scavenging, like a, a little duce, duce, duce would go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's what I think. I. And I just can't, I'm so surprised that that's, that that was never changed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, picked at or, or, you know, sort of in the, the swell right after the war. Right. That it would have, but they left it. 
Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, but then this little sta- this little track stadium where which was warm up and field hockey that is still used. The track is a not like really a, now a rubberized track, and they can hold full track meets because it's even got like a steeplechase area to go off for the little the pool to run through. And they've got um, the long jump pit and they've got an area where you can throw whatever javelin or shot put or discus. Yeah. And there were people running around. There was this old guy, like white hair old, running and midday doing intervals on this track. I'm not kidding you. It was crazy. I'm telling you, a little limoncello and you can (laughs) conquer the world. (laughs) And then... Also, there's a building with the Italian Olympic Committee office there, which and they summarily asked us to leave. Oh, but they were very, were they polite about it or were they? I talked to them. <laughs> he went up to talk to them to ask him something and they were like, and then he comes back and like, we have to go. <laughs> so you, that was, you were not, that was really they cool. They did not say Ben Giorno. <laughs> they did not. No, they, they were not. Not Josh. happy to see two Americans. And they did not. Riva Derchi out. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. So that was that main section. And then we wandered over to the Olympic Village because that still exists. And the Olympic Village is one of the first dedicated Olympic Villages that ever happened. Huh. So that was cool. And. The village is interesting because it's now, and I read an article about this a couple of years ago in Monocle, and it's been renovated, I guess you would say, or else like gentrified, and now it's kind of a cool place to live again. So hmm. it's rows and rows of apartment buildings, and uh, the they're all all the apartments are kind of raised up. So there's like, you walk into like a lobby-ish area. So the bottom, the bottom floor is like glass and there's a staircase and a teeny tiny elevator that maybe holds three people, maybe. And then the apartments are above and I don't know how big they are, but they, they have balconies. And then sometimes there's a little cafe among there because there's like, there can also be storefronts in the bottom part as well. Mm -hmm. So you can sometimes see that. And the we the the streets are named at diff, diff, different countries. So we walked down the Soviet Union street, and we saw Via Canada. And there's some some statues are around. And then uh, on the Austrian street, uh, Ben looked over and he's like, "Oh hey, guess what I found?" And he found we we like going on fitness trails. So he found a whole little exercise station park there so we, we spent some in time via austria but this was what i consider to be kind of quintessentially roman so the park was like it was it was not a huge park it was a small like apartment building park so they had these exercise stations in a big circle that would be kind of like a curves uh, if you remember oh, the, yes, the yes. curves of workout the, centers. The gym. Yes, yes. Right. So the so gym, you so you had spots. different circuit. You had a circuit. So about halfway across the circle of the circuit, they stopped mowing the grass. <laughs> so, and wait, so, okay. So we, we would, you know, you started at station one, and then you would get, and they weren't even labeled. We just figured, you, you know, you went in a circle. 
So you started station one, station two, station three. Then you'd hit grass that was probably mid-calf. And then <laughs> you'd tromp through that to get to the next four or five stations. And then you'd hit where they had mowed again and you finish up. And then they had like benches in between every station too, like park benches. So you could sit and rest or whatever. So that was kind of, that was cool. And then like right on the entrance to the, uh, if we're coming from the stadium and you hit the Olympic Village areas, one of the first things that we saw was the basketball stadium. And it looked worse for wear. It looked like, um. it, and, and it was just, there were weeds and stuff all around it. You know, it was just overgrown around a lot of graffiti, the concrete. It was, it was kind of like a, I don't want to say a beehive, but it was kind of an interesting dome structure. So we found a place where we could go up and look in and it's still being used. Like Rome's basketball team still use it because there was a shot clock on. And when we were getting ready to leave, like, an ambulance was pulling up and we we're like, oh, like pulling up into the sidewalk area around the around the stadium because it looked like there was going to be a game on that night. And, and people are starting to come in like the security cards were starting to come in. The ambulance group was starting to come in. Huh. And I was like, I can't believe this stadium that looks crummy Crumbling. from the outside was still used. And it's not that big either. There were maybe... And I counted them, and I don't remember. I want to say maybe eight or ten rows of seats all the way around. It was yeah, like was basketball in the round. Yeah, it was a very basketball small in like nineteen sixty would not have been. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't big. have been popular. And this is probably the perfect size for an Italian basketball team. Huh. So I was very shocked to see that there were still, it was still in yeah, use so from the outside. But it sounds like now when you're at the Olympic Village, mm -hmm. can you tell that it's the Olympic Village? Like, is there signs of it being, or did you need to know? Um, you, you know what? On on the map that I had, like a regular map that I got from a tourist book, it said Olympic Village on the map. Okay, but when you're at... there was a at... whole section. When you're there, you would know just because it the streets were named different names, and it's lined by, like, Cooper 10 Street, and... Okay. I think there was a, an Olympic Street as well, or, you know, Via Olympio or something like that. So it's Olympic-esque, but there's not a ton of, like, five rings. Right, because when we were in Lake Placid, the five rings were everywhere. Right. So, downtown. Right. So This there, was not the case in the village. Right. So there were, yeah, not in the village, not too much. But you could tell it was sporty and everything, you know, it was, it, it wasn't public housing looking, but, it, you know, you know how apartment complexes all look the same. Yeah, 1960s block. block row after row after row of that so mm -hmm. it all looks kind of uniform but it doesn't necessarily look super olympic and then we ended up walking by a huge building that was again part of the italian olympic committee but it was like the building for the national federations the sporting federations gotcha and that looked olympic because it had the rings right so because you look for the rings yeah right but i think you needed to know the basketball stadium didn't even look like it was olympic from the hmm. so there were no rings there, but I think so. They're not really keeping that. No, it wasn't very sense. No, huh. but they also had a very lovely new playground in front of the stadium that was new used, and there was like it was there was a big park area, so there was a, a really big playground for for little kids, and then a massive sculpture, and then like a basketball court area. 
Well, I think it would be interesting. Okay, so now you and I have been to to Lake Placid. You've been to Rome. Mm-hmm. Two extremely different kind of places. Yes. In terms of nobody's going to go to Lake Placid for historic sightseeing. Right. Whereas I would think very few people go to Rome to see any of the 1960 Olympic things. True. Except right. for, so you know, it's sort of... well, you know, I, well, there was no Olympic tourism. I can tell you that there were no right. like tours of the stadium or whatever. You kind of had to know to go, but there were people wandering around. Mm-hmm. That especially in the stadium area, there were like tourists just wandering around looking at it. So I don't know where it hits on different people's radars. Right. So I'm kind of curious now. This will this can be in our recurring, <laughs> recurring <laughs> visits to cities. Sort of something in between, maybe like a Salt Lake City, or I don't know what other city that people would go to for other reasons but also may go to just because it was an Olympic city. Barcelona maybe right. in that Barcelona, category. I think, yes. Um, London would yeah. be that for sure. You know, you talk about like London and Sydney. Right. Like you're going to those cities anyway, but I don't think people would go to them just because they were Olympic cities. Whereas right. like Lake Placid, everything they do for tourism for Lake Placid they really focus it on we were an Olympic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. The Olympic legacy is strong. It's like strong. Classes. And they use all their facilities. And yet Rome is using all its facilities it's, or most of its facilities. Yeah, or, or Yes. Or at least there's surprise. a chunk of them that are uh, was surprising that we're still in use. I was very right, surprised to see. Right. Almost 60 years old. Right. These things. So that's that's a surprise that they would have all these Mussolini things. It was, that I, was pretty, that, wow. pretty amazing. I, I was super impressed that so much, w- it seemed like so much was in use. And you have to think about, or I had to think about today when I was looking stuff up, like how small the games were comparatively. I mean, they had a whole mm-hmm. bunch of venues, but the games did not have, we, we, and you didn't see a lot of women's stuff. So you didn't see women's, right. a lot of women's track events. You didn't see uh, basketball or cycling most of the fencing was off limits, no field hockey, no soccer, no right. pentathlon, no rowing, no shooting, no water polo, no weightlifting, no wrestling. Wow. Uh, but then, you know, the other sports, just all sports in general that weren't there, like archery was not there, badminton, baseball, mountain biking, synchro diving, rhythmic gymnastics, trampoline, you know, some of, the, some of that makes sense because they're new, but like handball wasn't there judo was not there table tennis wasn't there taekwondo tennis triathlon no volleyball that got me oh yeah that came in in 1964 oh i had no idea that seems like it would be like a traditional olympic sport different forms of shooting hadn't gotten in the air pistols and air rifles no softball of course no synchro swimming the in swimming they did not have the individual medley events there was some really interesting swimming stuff that was like in the history of the sport so the the my favorite book i was looking through and they noted that in rome the breaststroke times were noticeably slower because they banned underwater swimming so for breaststroke some people would just swim as underwater as long as they could because it's faster than swimming with your head above water. 
And no, no, wait, wait, wait. Breaststroke, how do you not swim underwater the, and doing breaststroke? Wait, I'm confused. Breaststroke, okay. you have to keep your head partially out of the water. And I know that the, the stroke has changed since I competed, and I don't really know how to do this the stroke of today but there was a rule that your head had to like your forehead had to be the middle of your forehead and above had to be out of the water at all times and oh. that was one of the things they would look for because you couldn't go totally submerge yourself except for when you turned and then you did your underwater pull but back in right. the day in 1956 or so there was at least one guy who was like, hey, it's we don't have these rules and there's a loophole that I see and I'm just going to swim underwater as much as I can because that's faster. And it does, like if you have a good underwater pull, you get way far, way far out in front of other people once you finally surface. Huh. Well, I was watching some of the um, swimming because, uh, you know, we were talking about the stars of, mm -hmm. of 1960. One of them was Dawn Frazier oh, from right, Australia. Right who this was the she had one in 56 and mm -hmm. this was the first time someone had defended yes um a gold medal and what surprised me about the swimmers was how different their bodies were oh right because now they're very muscular they're very muscular and very lean yes Don Frazier was built the way like a jab like a a thrower is built okay you know, like javelin or hammer. Mm -hmm. She was a big, strong girl and totally different than that sort of long swimmer of today. Like she really looked like when she did a stroke, she muscled moved, she muscled through. And so it's interesting that you're saying that they had to keep their, you know, that the strokes were different because yes. that makes sense because their muscles and their bodies would have been differently proportioned because the strokes were different. Right. Equestrian also had its share of problems because in the three-day eventing for individuals, the endurance course was apparently really dangerous and two horses died <gasps> on it. Yes. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it was. it was, sounded really horrible. And then there was an Australian who was competing with the team and uh, his name was Bill Roycroft and he fell in the endurance test, broke his collarbone, got a concussion, <gasps> was in the hospital and he said, I got to go because I got to go compete in the jumping. And he did. And they won gold. He didn't know that he had won. <laughs> I have no idea. It was crazy. My and then, God. you know, the other, the, the rabbit hole. Somebody was not following the concussion protocol no, on that no. event. No, yeah, yeah, that would not fly today. Oh, that, no. Well, you know what? You, you would still find somebody who'd be like, no, I got to go. Yeah. yeah. Other things that now I want to look into, the women's shot put, uh, the gold medalist for was um, Soviet from Ukraine named uh, Tamara Press, and she also won in 1964. <laughs> My book just said, when sex tests were instituted at international oh. competitions, her and her sister's careers came to a sudden halt. Oh, yeah. dear. Right? Now I want to know all about that. Oh, were they? Uh... Don't know. Oh, That's yeah. That's all I oh, know. Cause... Oh, dear. But, and, then, and then the other thing that was fascinating to me was scandals, scandals and judging. Soviet judge got replaced in diving after the preliminary rounds for being overly nationalistic. And then, mm. and then this kind of is reflective of what's going on today. In boxing, 
no less than half of the 30 referees and judges were fired. Wow. And this week that we're taping, the Boxing Association, International Boxing Association, the AIBA, had to submit a report to the IOC saying how they were going to clean up boxing because they are in danger of not being included in Tokyo. Because of the the uh, scandals? Yes. With yes, the judging? Con- yes. Controversies nonstop. And a lot of wow. uh, a lot of shady stuff going on. Wow. So yeah. So it's it's nothing new. No. Which is upsetting. No. Yeah, that is upsetting that they it's dirty and it's been dirty for a long time. Yes. But if you do want to feel better, just go watch some Wilma Rudolph because she's gorgeous to watch run. Oh. And when she wins and she smiles and she was beautiful and just it'll make you feel good. Okay, so the other big thing that happened this week yes. was the Team USA Awards. Yeah. Did you even know these things existed? Because I didn't. All I had seen on social media, and it gotten emails about, like, vote for people for the Team USA right. Awards. But I didn't know it was such a big deal. It's been around since the 1970s. What? Yes. The first one, they said, I think was in 1974. What? I know. And... They do that now. They do it every games. Okay. So the last one was two years ago, and they now there's a whole red carpet. This was recorded. It's going to air May twelfth at six p.m. Uh, U.S. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. Okay. And they have a, an athlete of the games, female and male, for both the Olympics and the Paralympics a team and a coach for all these categories. So male, female, regular oh, okay. Olympics, Paralympics team. Um, so it doesn't sound gonna... like it's that long of a show. It isn't long. The, okay. the air, the program is uh, an hour and a half. Oh, okay. And that's with commercial. So it's, it's not long. And I think they give like a lifetime achievement okay. award, but it was fun looking at all the, uh, the people who had gone in their red carpet and they were all excited. Lauren Gibbs was there and Sarah Hendrickson and lots of our uh, Olympic fever people and getting all gussied and doing a red carpet. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it because I had no idea that this thing even existed. Far out. I didn't realize it had existed for so long. Yeah. My guess is that in the 1970s, it was like a little luncheon. Yeah. Right. It was something very small, but at this event... Any excuse to have a red carpet. Any excuse to have a red carpet. But here was the coolest thing that I saw on Instagram. All the members of Team USA got a ring. Oh, right. With a Team USA emblem and their name engraved. So they all... Like a a Super Bowl ring. Right. And this is a Team USA ring. And they had, at the beginning of the red carpet, this enormous table with all the boxes with the names on it. So you had to find your name like it was a place card at a wedding. Oh you had gosh. to find your ring and al- I think it was in alphabetical order and and for your wow. team USA ring. Yeah, I did not know that these rings existed. We knew about the participation medals, but this is specifically right. team, USA team USA getting their has ring. a team USA ring. So that has to be so cool to get because once you know, like this is my thing, this is my ring, and with your name engraved, how cool is that? Yes, and sized, and but I just thought it was funny because I think it was 
I, I can't remember if it was Lauren or Nick on the Instagram showing uh, the table with all the, the oh, boxes cool. with the, <laughs> so it was in DC and a whole bunch of the winter athletes testified uh, in Congress about climate change. Oh, nice. And, and keeping winter. So David Wise was one of them. I think Summer Britcher was there. So a bunch of them did that. And then they had the visit to the White House. How did that go? Which it seems to have gone uneventfully in that there doesn't seem to have been, you know, I'm sure a good number of athletes stayed away, but they made no mention of it. And I really haven't heard anything. Oh, that's I wanted, good. In, in your feed, have you seen anything? No, I haven't seen too much. No, me neither. It's just been people here. I took a picture with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the security guard at the White House, or I'm sitting <laughs> on a couch in the White House, you know, typical what, you know, right. teenagers, 20 somethings would do. So I'm glad that that seems to have been depoliticized because before Pyeongchang, oh. we had a lot of people, a lot of American athletes, <sighs> no names, saying, you know, I'm not going to go to the White House. I won't beat the president. But that seems to have settled down and not been an issue. And if you wanted to go, you went. And if you wanted to have that experience, they went. And it was. They took the politics out of it, which I was, I was pleased to see that it was just a really nice event for, for the athletes, and they get to wear their medals more, which is which is cool. That is cool. I I heard that Mr. T was at the award he was ceremony, there. He was there. So exciting. Everybody was posting a picture with him, <laughs> so he was taking a picture with anybody and everybody. So he seemed to be there with just the greatest spirit and uh, a lot of the hockey girls had pictures with him his love of curling the the surprising love of curling just that's so so cool you know i think he's one of those people as i mean he's uh, was a great athlete in his day and certainly Mm -hmm. worked very hard on on his body and his craft and i think he recognizes you work really hard to achieve a goal. Yes. And that's his connection with the with the Olympians. It's like, I see someone who's worked really, really hard, dedicated themselves. It doesn't matter if it's curling or hockey or mm-hmm. skiing or any of those things, but I recognize that in another person and I respect that. But he he seemed to have a grand old time. And, and lots of people posted, you know, I pity the fool who didn't take a picture with Mr. T. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was great. It was fun. Mr. So T is I, cool, I, fool. I know. I, I'm actually looking forward to actually watching the um, the broadcast and seeing it now that I've seen all the uh, the backstage. And I'm not spoiling it. I mean, the winners were announced. But, you know, if you want to be surprised, I'm not going to be the one to spoil it. All right. Yeah. Hmm. So May 12th on NBC Sports Network. May 12th, 6 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Do you have a trivia question I for me? I do have a trivia question for you. So, uh, back to Rome. Rome was originally supposed to host the games before 1960. Do you know when they were supposed to host the games and why they dropped out? Okay. And I will um, say it has nothing to do with World War II because that was a big break. How about World War One? No. Oh, that was going to be my guess that it was like 1916. Because I knew it was it was always London for World War II. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, 
Did it have to do with like Spanish influenza? No. Like 1920 or something like no. that? No. Oh, okay. I don't even have okay. a guess. It was 1908. Okay. Because Mount Vesuvius erupted in 1906 and they had to spend oh. the money on fixing the Naples area. Wow. So then those games went to London. Huh. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, that's it's also fascinating history. That is. Okay, so mine is also a Rome question. So at Rome, uh, 83 countries participated in 150 events. How many athletes? Uh, there were like 5,000 some. Yeah, 5,338. I was surprised at that number. It felt high? It felt high. Yeah. And the 83 countries felt high as the well. The 83 I mean, countries I was... does feel high, especially yeah. when you when you consider about how many, how few, how few countries, countries exist, how many fewer countries the there. Union. But yeah. It's a great time. I mean, it, it was really cool to see all the stuff. It, you know, I'm sorry they don't have some kind of tour. You would think they could have some kind of tour. Or they could have at least some kind of tour, like, once a week. <laughs> Something. You know, because they could, they, they could totally work it. They can it'd be a moneymaker. Come on. There's got to be more people like us. Oh, yeah. Who at least want to see something. Or, or they get tired of seeing ruins that are, like, 2,000 years old, so they want to see, <laughs> You'll see the ruins, the ruins that are 50, that are like 50 years old, right? <laughs> hey, they could just come to my house, take a look at me. <laughs> like, yes, this is the ruin that's... <laughs> the Italian-American ruin that's, you know, 40 whatever years old. <laughs> right, right. On that All note... Right. Yeah, on that note, I think we'll call, call it a day. So... <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M-Fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Arrivederci, out.